0: Well, it's 2020. Um, You don't need me to tell you that. It's come and we're a few days into it. It's a new year. It's a leap year. It's a year of opportunity for women. I don't know if you have any plans for the 29th of February, but I'm just mentioning it as we pass. It's a new year. It's a leap year. It's a new decade, start of a new 10-year period in the life of this world. So it's kind of a moment, isn't it? And to some extent, this being Carn Money Church, it's kind of incredible for me to be standing up here saying, hey, it's 2020, because when we wrote a strategy and launched it over 12 years ago, and we called it 2020 Vision, the year 2020 seemed like it was light years away. And now here we are. We've made it. We're here. It's 2020. And so this is a kind of a special year for us, and over the course of the next few months, we hope um, to be Um, thinking back a little bit and giving thanks for all the things that we've done and the distance that we've come during those last 12 years to arrive at this point in the life of our church. There'll be an opportunity to reflect on that and give thanks to God for that and say thank you to everybody who has had a part in what we've been doing in Jesus' name for the past 12 years. And also this year is special because at the same time, in a few months' time, God willing, Rick and the team that have been working with him are gonna tell us where we hope to go in the next five to 10 years. So this is kind of a special moment for us as a church. Maybe it's a special year for you. As a person, maybe this is a year of a big birthday, okay? But you're not gonna tell anybody about that anyway. I never get why people go on Facebook and put up, you know, It's a big birthday. Seriously, like you really want the whole world to know that anyway. um, I was really hoping actually somebody was going to be at church this morning who's been posting about being the big 4-0. And I was really going to nail them, but they weren't here this morning, so they missed out on that. Um, So maybe it's a big birthday year. Maybe it's a big anniversary year for you. Maybe it's a year full of promise. You know, you've got a new job and you're looking forward to starting it. You've got new things coming up in the next 12 months and you're looking forward to it. Or maybe you're just one of those people who is just so glad to see the end of 2019. I'm not sure. But maybe 2020 is a special year for you. For me, it's kind of a special year in a couple of ways. 40 years ago, on the 20th of January coming, I was ordained to the Christian ministry by the Presbytery of East Belfast in Bloomfield Church. And... uh, In some ways, it's incredible that we're 40 years down the road from that, at least it seems like that to me, probably doesn't seem so incredible to you, but it does to me that, that, you know, I kind of feel in some ways those 40 years have been like, have been the personal experience of a title of one of Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Because I have spent those 40 years essentially doing exactly the same things. Might have been in three different locations, but it was the same kind of stuff for 40 years. Nearly half of those 40 years have been spent with you in this worshiping community. We've partnered together around what we thought God was calling us to do. And on the 31st of December this year, that partnership will come to an end we've got 12 months left. And I suppose in some ways that changes things a bit. It changes things a bit for me and maybe for you in some ways too. I was chatting to somebody um, yesterday, and um, my nose married to somebody who comes to church here, and uh, he was talking about his personal situation and and, um, uh, he, he's a businessman, and, and recently some of the, f- the things in his business, through no fault of his own, have, have been difficult for him, and so he finds himself financially challenged at this point in time, and he's also just entered his 60s, and he was saying to me, you know, how challenging that is, and I said, yeah, well, I suppose when you're in your 60s, you don't have the energy you had when you were 30 and 40 to, to devote to your business. Well, no, he said, it's not really that, he said, rebuilding a business at 30 or 40 years of age, you've got quite a lot of time stretching out in front of you. Trying to rebuild a business at 60 is an entirely different prospect. You don't have the same amount of time. And putting a time limit on something changes everything. It changes your perspective. It forces you to focus more, to be more um, determined maybe to set your priorities better because you know you only have a limited amount of time. And so I think it's significant for us as we gather today at the beginning of a new year, at the beginning of a new decade, at the beginning of our last year together, you and I doing church together and seeking to discern God's will and give ourselves to it. It's significant that at this point in time, we come to the Lord's table. Why? Well, first of all, because the Lord's table reminds us of why we do this, of what this is really all about. It reminds us that to be Christians, to be together in the community of God's people is about seeking his presence among us. As Andrew Peterson writes in one of the verses of his song, is he worthy? Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. And does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. This whole Christian thing is about the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. And with David, the repentant psalmist, and at the 51st Psalm, we all cry, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. That's the thing that gives this purpose, meaning this is what it is about, that we get the opportunity to find ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Moses makes this clear to God as he speaks with them face to on, face on the mountain in what is probably the most romantic chapter in all of scripture, Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In youth, and old age, in work and in rest, in singleness and in relationship, in the house and in the public square, in darkness and in light, in hope and in despair, in life and in death, all of it only has meaning if it is lived in the presence of God. The presence of the Lord. that's the thing. Be still for the presence of the Lord, the holy One is here. Come, bow before him now in reverence and fear. In him no sin is found. We stand on holy ground. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. That's what it's all about. And where else would we be likely to meet him than in the bread and wine of his commandment? You wouldn't invite somebody for your home home. To your home for a meal and then make sure you were out when they came. It would be a kind of a weird thing to do, really. It's not very hospitable. So why would Jesus invite us, in fact, command us to come to share this meal together and not intend to be present himself in bread and in wine? And so as we come together, we are reminded of that fact that this is about the presence of God. Communion brings us into the presence of the Lord and it brings the presence of the Lord into us. Are you prepared to receive him? Is that why you've come? Or maybe you're just here to pass yourself hoping beyond all hope that maybe he won't show up And if he does show up, he'll pay no attention to you. I realized a couple of days ago, I had a puncture in the driver's side front wheel of my car. And so I changed, put the spare wheel on. And the next morning, starting yesterday morning, I went round to McGowan's to get the tire repaired. I didn't really want to go two reasons why I didn't want to go. The first reason was that I noticed that where the screw had gone into the tire was really near the edge of the tire. And experience in recent years has shown me that if you go to a tire company with a puncture near the edge of the tire, they won't repair it. They'll say, I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to buy a new tire. So there was one good reason for not going. The other reason why I didn't want to go was I was also aware that the other front tire on the near side of the car had a bulge in the sidewall. It's had a bulge in the sidewall for quite some time. I was surprised it actually got through the MOT last June with it, but they didn't seem to notice it. So that was fine. I've been driving on it for maybe about nine months now. I know horror faces and all the rest of it. You should have seen Gary Bell's face at the 9.30 this morning when I said that. And I knew that if I went to McGowan's, they'd spot the bulge in the tire on the other side, and they'd say to me, you need to replace that tire too. And I'd have to buy two tires at the start of the year. And yes, that's exactly what happened. And I didn't want to go because I knew they'd see it. I know it's for my own safety and I'm an irresponsible parent and husband and I know all that, okay, but I didn't want to go because I didn't want them to spot it and have to buy two tires. And sometimes that's the way we come to church. Don't really want God to take too close a look. There are things we don't want him to see. There are issues we don't want to have to address and we'd much prefer it that we didn't have to deal with that and so when we come, we, we, we kind of get someplace with our head down and hope that nobody else sees and hopes that he doesn't see. And it's such a stupid thing like, isn't it? Because it's all about him being among us. And, and communion above all other times is about this one actually incredible fact that the Lord of all creation wants to be among his people. There's another reason why beginning this significant year for us all is most fittingly done at the Lord's table. In our tradition, when we gather around the Lord's table, we read some words from the pen of the Apostle Paul. We've already read them in the service, and every time we read those words, they summarize what we're doing here. Paul says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes until he comes. See, it's really important to meet with Christ as he becomes present to us, to to experience his presence in bread and wine, in the word that is preached, in the Holy Spirit whom he has sent. But it's also important to remember that all this, all the things that we have done, are doing, and will do together in the life of this fellowship of God's people, all those things are only until he comes. There is a time limit on all this. And I'm not now talking about the fact that in 12 months time, our partnership will be dissolved. I'm not talking about that time limit right now. All the stuff of our faith and our witness The buildings we have built, the services we have organized, the organizations and ministries we run, the money we have given, and the sacrifices we have made, all this is temporary. It is time limited. It is until Jesus comes. Until he comes. That's the theme I want to take for this 12 months. I want to explore that and think about this year, what that means for us, what it means to live in that context. But For today, I just want to think about one really simple aspect of that. I want for the moment for us to remember where that expression places us until He comes. It's reminding us of the fact that we live in the times in between. Because, in one sense, the kingdom has come, the Lord has appeared. We celebrated at Christmas just a few weeks ago. The kingdom has come. The very first words that Jesus, our master, speaks in his public ministry, as it's recorded in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 1, here's what he says The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom is here, the king has already come. But even though the kingdom is here, it is not yet here in all its fullness, nor will it be until he comes again. And that means that our hope in the present is not on the basis of what happened in the past. Our hope is not based on our experiences and the corporate and collective history of 360 years of witness on this site. Our hope comes to us from the future because we live our lives until he comes. And it's not that difficult a concept to understand. We share it in other aspects of our lives. When Christine and I were engaged to be married, we were both still at university. And she was finishing her degree, going on into social work. I was finishing a degree in modern history. It's a completely useless degree, but hey, it was great fun to do. And finishing a degree in modern history, and then going on to spend another three years studying theology. So we did get married while I was studying theology, but not for three and a half years. And it, those were the longest three and a half years of my life. And, and, and during that time, the whole focus of my life was was the future. The hope was coming to us from the future. It wasn't that we didn't have enjoyment in the things that we shared, that it wasn't fun to go to the sun man. it wasn't fun to do things together, and, and all of that. You know, but she was mine, and I was hers, and our situation was temporary until the time came when we could be together. Our hope came to us from the future. And shouldn't this be the way it is for us in church too? That our hope comes to us from the future. Our lives are now about the fact that we live as we live only until He comes. Certainly it was so for the Apostle Paul. Ending the letter that we've already quoted from his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says this, I Paul. He Paul sometimes, Paul's letters were dictated to a secretary who wrote them down. But in on, on some of his letters, at the end of the letter, he takes the pen from the secretary, and, and, and he writes a few lines and signs his name. So when people received the letter, they would know it genuinely came from Paul. And that's what he does with the first letter to the Corinthians. He takes the pen, and we read, "'I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. "'If anyone does not love the Lord, "'let that person be cursed. "'Come, Lord.'" And and that last expression, which is two words in English, come Lord, is one word in the Aramaic language from which Paul quoted at the end of that verse. One word, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Paul's orientation was towards the future. His hope was coming to him from there because Jesus was coming back and he was living his life until Christ came you know, what would Christine have thought of me if during those three and a half years, we never talked about getting married, we never made any plans, we, we just kind of lived where we were and we kind of got on with it and hey, it was good fun and all the rest of it, but, but we didn't save up, we didn't look for where we might live, we didn't make any plans for when we might get married or where we would go on a honeymoon or all the rest of it. She might have eventually got the idea that I wasn't really that keen on the whole aspect of what we had got engaged for. And yet that's the way we live as Christians. And yes, it's great at times. And yes, the Lord has blessed us in this community. We have seen his hand at work. We have seen lives change we never thought could be changed. We have seen him step into situations that we've got involved in. We've seen influence grow in, in the community and in things around us as we've been able to reach out with people through CAP and through, and, and through the food bank and, and, and in other ways. And all of that's been amazing. But all of that is only until he comes. It's not permanent. It's not the way it will always be. That's where our hope lies. Shouldn't we be orientated towards that? Shouldn't we be expectant about that? Shouldn't we be longing and hungering from the day when all of this comes to an end and Jesus returns? Everything is until he comes. It should be our orientation. It is our hope. But the other thing about it is this. It reminds us that we only have a limited time available. Jesus has invited us to partner with him in the purposes of his father in the world of our generation. He invites us to have a part, and that's an incredible opportunity but there's only a limited amount of time for it. I'm trying to savor the next 12 months that I have, and I'm trying to think to myself, hey, what damage can we do together in 12 months? How can we frustrate the enemy? How can we win some more people? How can we do something that we can look back on and say, hey, those were good times? That's just 12 months, okay? I don't know how long it will be till Jesus returns. But I know he's coming back and I know that that gives us only a limited amount of time to have the privilege of sharing with our master in what he wants to achieve in the world at this moment of time. We face that question continually. What is the Lord inviting us to do with him? Every time we come to the Lord's table, we say it. Every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, who needs to hear and see the proclamation of the death of Jesus Christ from you? And what might that mean for your life to do that more effectively in the days that lie ahead? It might mean a change of career, it might mean a house move into an area where you can be influential. It might mean leaving a ministry that you've been involved in for 20 years that is now no longer as effective as it used to be and getting yourself involved in something new that might reach some new people and might become a proclamation of the death of Christ until he comes. Maybe it's finally time finally time for you to pick up one of these Alpha invitation cards and go give it to somebody and get that person along to the Alpha course who has never done it before. I don't know what it is that God calls you, but here's what I do know. There are hearts to be healed. There are disciples to be made. There are churches to be planted. And all of this until He comes. And that means that the bread and wine we take tonight is not just a a, a remembrance of the fact that Jesus is present among us. But that presence only comes to fullness at the end of time when he returns. And that's our concentration. That's our hope. And this bread and wine is not only that remembrance, it is also a moment of recommitment, of recommitment until he comes. Almost the last word Words that Peter wrote were these. They come in his second letter and in the third chapter. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. What kind of people ought you to be there for? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. This is not a time to sit back and relax. This is the time to get committed and get involved in what God is doing right now. Because there's a time limit. Um, I have a friend and um I got a text from him a couple of days ago. The text was just a picture of an Audi S4. And underneath it, he said in the text, John, never sell your Audi. And I thought, what's this about? And but just a few weeks before Christmas, I'd been talking to him, and he had bought himself a new car. He had bought himself a Volvo SUV. Now I was a little bit surprised, at this, because he didn't strike me as being a Volvo driver. Now, no harm to any of you who drive Volvos, okay? I'm not making a judgment on you, okay? But he never really struck me as a Volvo kind of driver, you know. And and so, well, he says, you know, it's really plush inside. It's really quiet and smooth to drive. And he said, it's not as low as the car I had. You know, when you get into it, your back's not sore getting in and out of it. And he says, "I, I, I think I like it. So when I got this text from him, I texted him back and said, you didn't buy this car, did you? And he came back with a text and he said, the Volvo only lasted three weeks. He said, I'm not old enough yet for a Volvo. Now, he's no spring chicken, by the way, but do you know what, guys? We're not old enough yet for a Volvo. This is a moment of time when we are called by God to have an opportunity to cast in our lot with the things that he still needs to do. He invites us into a partnership, and it's a time-limited thing. It's not gonna go on forever. There is this slim window of opportunity that you and I can still take when we're still young enough to have the energy and enthusiasm and commitment and motivation to get involved with what God wants us to do. And these symbols, the bread and wine that we're about to take are a moment of recommitment. If you drink this wine and if you eat this bread, then you're doing what Peter is talking about here. He said you should live holy and godly lives. Holiness means to be set apart. Holiness means that I'm going to set my life apart for partnership with Jesus Christ until he comes. That's the challenge. To remember tonight, as Jesus comes among us in bread and wine, that our God is present with us. How amazing is that? And to remember that our hope comes from the future because Jesus who came is coming back God has not abandoned us. He has not given up on the grand strategy that He has from before the beginning of time. And for whatever time is left in this temporary situation till the king returns, God calls us to partner with Him in what needs to be achieved in this generation. Are you up for that? Are you up for that?